and welcome back to Happy Stitching from Magic Hour Cross Stitch Supplies. I'm Donna. And I'm Serena. And uh, we're a mother-daughter team and we are here today talking about back stitching. This is a, a, a type of stitching that a lot of stitchers don't like. A lot of stitchers love, probably like most every every other kind of stitching. Uh, some like it, some don't. Uh, with the In the Facebook groups that I belong to, a lot of people say they don't really like doing it, but they love the result because it really makes your picture pop at the end because it just outlines everything and brings in detail that wouldn't otherwise be visible. So we're going to talk about the ins and outs of back stitching today. And we, we are both here with our uh, individual projects. I'm working on um, a Halloween picture because it's uh, just past the middle of October. I'm trying to get this picture done because it's supposed to be a trick-or-treat bag. It's got a big witch and a ghost and pumpkin and other Halloween-y things. And I'm up to the point where I'm back stitching my spiders. And the, I'm stitching, doing a back stitch on the spider legs with some of the new etoile, uh, just to see how it looks with back stitching because it has the sparkle that is uh, really pretty. We talked about that in our last podcast. And I'm just checking to see how it looks as back stitching thing. And how does it look as a back stitching uh, thing? I actually can see the sparkles. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's subtle. And probably in the middle of the night when they're out there trick-or-treating, nobody's going to see it. But uh, I can see it here as I'm stitching it, and I really like the Moulinet to work with. It's very soft, so it's worth it. Okay. How about you? What are you doing? I am working on a little project, the same project I was working on last week. I'm sorry, I'm such a slow stitcher. <laughs> um, it's a one-over-one one on 32-count linen of a little pair of hands holding a heart, and the heart is red. Oh. Like, inside the heart is red. Okay. Well, that sounds really nice. Uh, it's very small, smaller than I anticipated. So, <laughs> I have a much larger piece of linen than I need. Hmm. Well, one of the things we're going to talk about in later on, if we get to the questions, is uh, how do we know how big of a piece of fabric to use? So I know this time, in this case, you just picked up some scrap to do, to try out yeah. the the etoile. Yes, but I'm there using are etoile. yeah, there are easy ways to uh, figure out exactly how, what your dimensions should be, but that comes later. So right now we're talking about back stitching. So tell me, uh, Serena, what kind of things have you come up with on backstitching? I should mention that uh, I have um, a few decades of experience at stitching. Serena is a little, uh, has a little less experience, but still many years. But uh, new to stitching on things like linen and stuff. Yeah. So tell me about your experiences with backstitching. Well, I haven't backstitched a lot because I usually use... Because I used to do these ones on like 14 count, just little fridge magnets on uh, 14 count plastic canvas, especially for cross stitching. Mm -hmm. Our fridge is full of them. Yes, it is. <laughs> they keep falling down, but we love them. We pick them up, put them back on. That's not even all of them. I don't know where half of them went. Um, but I usually did those, and those don't require back stitching because they're very cartoony little images and they're outlined in stitching. 
So we did one for a fridge magnet for our model stitch for something that we're plan to have in the shop eventually. Um, and I tried to do the back stitching before thinking that if I did the outline first it would be much easier like I used to do with the fridge magnets. Twas not to be. Mm, and what happened? Well, then I had to go in and redo the back stitching because it looked terrible because it, you know, you had to kind of stitch underneath it and that's not comfortable. Mm. So, so the stitches, the regular stitches overrode the back stitching that was there first? Yep. Oh, I see. Yeah, I could certainly see how that would happen. Uh, I, I've always done my back stitching last and that's usually what's recommended in the pattern. Some people on a bigger pattern like to do uh, like a piece at a time or a section at a time. So finish, say, one of these spiders and then go ahead and backstitch that. And then when you do a bat, you backstitch the bat like that. So it's not a lot of backstitching all at once. Well, I actually enjoyed the backstitching. It was just the timing of the backstitching. Mm. I like backstitching too. It's I don't find it something that uh, uh, is annoying to me. The only thing is it's at the very end of the project and I kind of want to hurry through it. That's more that, more of that than I don't like doing it. But, you know, when you get to the finish line, you want to just cross it and move on to your next project, or mm -hmm. at least I do. So, well, that's probably a universal strength amongst cross-stitchers. Yeah, probably. Uh, it's always fun to be planning out your, ne your next project. A lot of stitchers have a very long queue of projects that are ready to go or planned to go. I know and I do. I know I do. I have an enormous long list. But it always happens that the, the one that's most urgent gets the most attention. So that's why I'm uh, busily hurrying through the back stitching on this Halloween picture. Mm -hmm. But I like how it looks and I really like how this etoile is turning out as back stitching color. Have a look. See oh, the yeah, spider that head? is nice. It yeah. is kind of shiny. Yeah, you can Did see you the get shine. some of the black shiny for the eyes. Uh, that is a little, uh, two little stitches of a black. That's uh, light effects, though. Mmm, it's very shiny. Oh no! Wait a minute. That's not light effects. That was uh, the black cotton and a tiny thread of silver. This mm. I used. I blended some silver into the white that was called for for the ghost to make it shiny and glow in the dark and glow in the dark i'm My stitching favorite. on yeah me too i'm stitching on 14 count mm -hmm. so i had a little room for uh for extra th f strands and the ghost was one str one color uh patches of one of single colors so i blended the called for whites and grays each one i blended it with one took one strand of the called for one strand of glow in the dark and one strand of silver uh it wasn't the it wasn't uh light effects it was um uh, a krennic blending filament i mm. think on the ghost so i don't know i did that last year now i can't remember what i used it looks like the blending filament i saw in your krennic box the white braid yep that's the one not braid blending filament but mm. white yes that's what I what I used uh, so now it glow it does actually glow in the dark a little bit even though there's only one strand there so it looks pretty cool 
So this, um, the étoile, as back stitching, it looks pretty good too. And you can see the little tiny sparks of shine in the threads, even though it's just back stitching. Yeah, it's really nice because I'm using the étoile on this. I don't want to talk about étoile again too much. Right. But I'm using the étoile on this project, even though it doesn't have back stitching, because it's well, frankly, let's face it, it's too small to have back stitching. Um, <laughs> Smalls are fun too. Yeah, I can't find the hole. Oh, um, that's thirty-two count linen for you. And I'm trying to do a fill. Hmm. Okay, so um, back stitching is usually the pattern will say how many strands for back stitching that you should use, mm -hmm. and uh, it's most often one. Right. Uh, but it, again, this is one of the areas where you can customize. Yeah, because I like using two strands for basically everything except really high counts. I use uh, one for most things if it's like a complex picture, like uh, of a mermaid, a bird, something like that. This picture is kind of cartoony, so I want the edges to be very clear. It's also going to be a trick-or-treat bag, so that's going to be out there in, in the dark. So I want the picture to be quite visible from a few paces away. So that both of those factors make me want to have a good strong edge on all the, the figures in the picture. So that's why I'm back stitching with two strands instead of one. If it was a finer fabric or uh, like a more detailed picture, I would probably go with just the one that is the normal. I have uh, used even three, but that was on a baby blanket and I was I did a baby blanket for a friend, and the pictures were, uh, you may might be uh, recognize the uh, Woodland Babies booklet from Stony Creek, I believe. It's really, really cute, and the patterns were a lot of fun to stitch. But the uh, because they were uh, a whole bunch of them on a big blanket, and they also were kind of cartoony, I did a couple with one strand and it looked good. Then I did two and suddenly they looked like Disney animals. <laughs> so I liked that look. Some might not, but I did. So uh, I went with that and it turned out pretty good. Have you, what, what back stitching have you done, sweetie? Not a terrible lot. I feel like I did some when I first started. The I have vague recollections of a poppy picture that I did. Poppies? Poppy, yeah. A very hmm. small picture of a poppy. I don't know whatever happened to it. You probably have it in a box somewhere. In one of my mommy boxes? Yeah, probably. My <laughs> first cross-stitching. That would be something I would want to keep. Yeah, I think that was backstitch, but I can't remember because hmm. I was seven. Yeah, you have been stitching a long time. You're, you're only 25, so... Seven, you'd be stitching almost 20 years already. Holy moly, how did that happen? Wow. <laughs> okay, well, uh, sometimes uh, you can choose to add back stitching where none is called for in the pattern, and again, that would depend on, on the pattern and what you want the pattern to be when you're finished. If it's going to go on the wall or if it's going to be a bag or pillow or... or you know, go on a piece of clothing or whatever. 
that will also uh, help your decision of what kind of back stitching to do. So you can, there are three options you can go with. You can, if the pattern, whether the pattern calls for back stitching or not, you can always alter the color that you use. Now some people say, oh no, the, the, you know, the designer said this, that's what you should use. That's fine, go with that. Uh, or you can make it your own if you're comfortable with that. Everybody gets to choose for themselves because it's an art and there are no hard and fast rules except the ones that can be broken. So if you want to change a color of back stitching, go ahead and do it. Sometimes I find that um, a line, for instance, you know, an eyebrow line or a smile line or something like that, that is in the pattern and you put it on and you can hardly see it. So then that would be a good time to uh, change it out for, uh, you could either change it for a, a more strongly contrasting color or you can uh, just add another strand to that one part. Because yeah, back stitching should be either contrasting, coordinating, or blending. That's right. So, for instance, on the spider legs, the spider has red legs, red and pink. So I'm using the red um, C666. I think it's C, isn't it? Yeah, C. Uh, for, of the A12 to uh, to do this, part of the legs is in uh, 666. That's mm -hmm. a nice bright red, and some is in a coral. I don't recall the number. So uh, the red looks really good. It's kind of a a blending. On the red part, it's definitely blended right in. It's the same color. On the pink part, it's more of a of a well, the, on the red parts, it matches. On the pink parts, it, it blends in. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to make it like really contrasty, I might use black or even silver. Silver would be nice for like spider webs or something. Yeah, the pattern does call for silver in the spider webs. So I, it calls for a Krennic uh, Japan silver. Mm -hmm. I don't remember that number. Um, but I think I'm going to try some of that diamond that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I'm gonna, a couple of podcasts ago. So we'll see how that goes. I'm looking forward to trying that because that's a really nice silver. Um, and I might need, I'll have to experiment and see if I need one or two strands. But that's also a kind of back stitching because it's just uh, like a straight, not uh, straight stitches that form a pattern. But it's not really around another thing. Let's see. I've run into a whoopsie and I'm not sure what to do about it. Oh, what whoopsie is that? Oh, oh don't put that on the table. Let's see. Okay, so <laughs> Serena has a little glob of fuzz in it's her thread. Of, yeah. I did not follow my own instructions from last week <laughs> is when we talked about it. And I picked a too big... A uh, strand of etoile and it disintegrated. <laughs> well, not entirely. One of, of the filaments, it's made up of three filaments, uh, one of them broke. But you've got about four, four and a half inches there. You could cut the thread there, re-thread, and then you'd have enough to tie off. Okay. And then you can just trim off the edges of that. If there's enough thread left to, to rescue, you could probably continue using that piece just 
trim up the edges, the, the each end, so it's even and not, you know, soft and feathery. Mm -hmm. And make it easy. It makes it easier to thread as well. Yeah. And then you're good to go. Carry on. Okay. So, uh, you're, luckily, it did that with enough room to tie off. Yeah. So, pro tip: short threads. <laughs> short threads. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you do if it's not long enough? That's a good question. One I don't have an answer for. <laughs> well, uh, that has actually happened to me, and I have had to just, you just uh, there's nothing else you can do but just cut it off and then pull stitches out until you do have enough thread to mm -hmm. tie off. Yeah, I know, it sucks, but what are you going to do? So you could try uh, pulling out fewer stitches and then tie the end of that. Uh, once you start your next thread, you know, start it as you normally do and then just tie the little tails together it's uh, like micro surgery just about yeah you need the needle uh to pull them pull it through the little loop to make a tiny tiny little knot <laughs> it's probably easier just to undo enough to, to tie it off properly well i'm i thought what i usually do if that happens is lay them both down and lock them together the way you start a new needle yeah that's a good idea too uh, and I have used that method. So when I do that, I, I try to get the, the, the loose tail, try to get it through that first loop of the new thread a couple of times yeah. instead of once. I usually do it a couple of times, yeah. not once. That would probably lock it, uh, lock it down sufficiently. Depends on what you're using it for too, though, your finished project. Yeah. So if it's just going to sit on the wall once it's framed, you know, there's no stress on those stitches or anything. There's no reason it would ever come loose you're going to turn it into like a trick-or-treat bag then it would probably would get some strain on the stitches and when I'm doing a bag or something that's going to be actually used I uh, went on the finished project once everything is done like everything and it's washed and squared and everything then I iron on some uh, some mm. interfacing on the back and that has a couple of effects. One is to stiffen the fabric so it works well with your pillow or whatever you're making. And it also uh, grabs hold of all the little loose ends of all your stitches and keeps them, it will help keep them all tight. So just get a good quality iron-on interfacing. It doesn't have to be really thick, depending on where your project is. Iron it on and uh, then go ahead and you can use your fa fabric as any other fabric to make your bag. It's also uh, helps to stop fraying on the edges if you're using, well, all the, all the even weaves that are commonly used for cross-stitch have a tendency to fray on the edges if they're not finished. That's why we always surge the edges of our fabric before we sell well, the the smaller pieces you can't. It's hard to do a full meter, and it gets cut up anyway. So, but the the fat quarters and fat halves get surged, so there's no fraying on the edges. That makes a big difference if you don't want your edge to get too close to your design. You want a little space around it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's uh, that's something else that you can think about. And I already have my piece of uh, interfacing to, ready to go when I'm finished. This it's time is pressing for sure. Uh, another another question that comes up on back stitching is uh, how, what size of stitches do you use? 
Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, it, of course, all your stitches are in little squares, right? Right. So technically, a back stitch should be one square. Mm. So it's I sometimes cheat and I do two or three squares if it's in a straight line. And not so much if it's going to be a used project like a bag or pillow because then the, the, everywhere it's not tacked down has a greater chance the, the, the threads to pull and eventually wear and uh, especially on a pillow where people are leaning on it, it's easy to pull them out. There's too much play in it if you have long, too long of stitches that, so if it can get pulled and then it's not a straight stitch on the edge of your design anymore. So it does affect how the design looks at the end. However, uh, if it's something that's not really going to get wear, if it's going to be on the wall, or if it's something that, like the baby blanket, has actually, she loved it so much that she doesn't even put it on the bed for the baby. She puts it on the wall. So that, which was kind of flattering. I was really happy that she liked it that much. But it's, uh, I was able to use longer stitches for the back stitching which really saves a lot of time. Mm -hmm. But it is uh, not uh, something that the uh, Stitchers Guild, if there is such a thing, would recommend. I would say they would, they would probably want to do, go by the book and do one stitch. You can also lengthen your stitches if you're going around, like unless an angle is either straight up, straight across, or a 45 degree angle, there is no corner to corner. So you can go in between on the lines. So in other words, like uh, it comes up in the corner of a stitch and then if it's angled, you put it down wherever that stitch crosses the next line. So it may not be at a corner, but it could be halfway or three quarters way, uh, but that's a pretty fine point. So uh, I go uh, no more than two or three stitches even when I'm stretching it. Uh, and you can use the spaces in between the corners of your stitches. So it doesn't have to go from corner to corner. Mm -hmm. And that really makes a big difference too. Uh, again, depending on what it is you're stitching. If you're stitching a bag or a pillow, you really want to keep those stitches short. And the, But the longer stitches, of course, give a smoother line. That's the advantage of that. So I'm really uh, uh, keen on just uh, being very flexible with what I can do with my back stitching and um, making it according to the project, the picture, and uh, what I'm going to do with the project when it's done. And on your little tiny picture there, are you mm -hmm. going to try to back stitch the... Uh, no, because I'm not a masochist. Ah, uh, I see. It is very, very tiny. It's a very small picture on a very fine fabric. Yes, it is. Now, are you regretting now your choice to pick 32 count? Well, I tried to pick something smaller, and you're like, no, use the linen. <laughs> uh -huh. So it's my fault then. Yep. <laughs> okay, thank you for that. Uh, well, I don't, it's not a very big picture, and you're not, it's not too late to decide to do it on something else. I might. Because I know you really like that little picture. I do. And it's um, it, it would look really nice on an 18 count. It would. It would. And that, that's not too big or too small. That's right. 
That's a nice uh, middle-of-the-road kind of fabric. It is. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when it was many years ago now, but uh, there was uh, quite a long time that I thought Ada was the only thing out there for cross-stitching on. I didn't know that there was anything other than 14-count Ada. It was a revelation to me that uh, there were other kinds of fabrics to stitch on. I thought I was being really way out there to go with an 18 count. That was wow. But now I stitch on all kinds of fabrics, some not even meant for cross-stitching. <laughs> I like to be uh, uh, explorative when I'm choosing uh, my materials sometimes. I often have picked up this or that little thing in, in uh, like a thrift store or something like that and explored how it could be used for cross-stitch. I've actually had some pretty good success using very fine crochet yarn because uh, they come in so many pretty colors. Not that floss doesn't, but, you know, explore something different. And it was it was a 14-count fabric, so there was room for the cro crochet flaw, uh, thread. So there's an advantage to using 14-count Ada. Oh, yeah. I love 14-count Ada. It's still a classic, still and still a standard. And uh, the your fabric depends more on how big you want your pro finished project to be than anything. Mm -hmm. So it's it quite strongly impacts that. And uh, in regards to the back stitching, which is our subject today, really makes it much easier. <laughs> like the thirty-two <laughs> count, you're really struggling with that. I'm just whizzing along on my 14 count. I'm almost finished my first spider here. Well, um, what kind of needle would you use for back stitching? Would you use oh. like a sharper needle? That's a good question. I would use a sharper needle if it was um, like a densely pa uh, stitched patch. For instance, if it was a solid fill in the middle of the pattern, like I've got my witch against a full moon here. Mm -hmm. So when I do the details on her face, I might want to use a sharp needle or a very fine needle, but then it's hard to get the threads into the eye, uh, depending on the brand of needle. But a sharp needle would make it easy to go in exactly where I want it to be. Right. It would be less dependent on where the corner of the stitch is, and I would be able to make her expression uh, be a little you know, I would have more input on uh, her expression and exactly where her lips go and her eyelashes and stuff. So it would be, um, it would be something that uh, would be a useful uh, departure from the norm to use a sharp needle for back stitching in an area right. like that. Also on yours, if you use, like, I know you have a very fine needle there. Tapestry needle, I believe. It is a, yeah, it's a tapestry petite. Uh, so you can't really get a finer, sharper needle than that. On that, you would not want to use a sharp. No. Because that would make it so hard to find the right spot to put the needle in. Mm -hmm. That's and why tapestry needles are not sharp. So, yeah. it, to, so you can get that sweet spot in the little tiny space between the threads. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a sharp, once it's all stitched like this... It would probably work really well. Well, it does work really well. I've used it like that. But the on a regular stitching on a high count uh, would be a mistake. So how are you finding that needle, by the way? 
I like it a lot, actually. It's easy to thread, surprisingly. Yeah, it really depends on the brand. Some mm -hmm. brands, the petites, that oh, the eye is very tiny. This is a Bowen, you said? I think it's a Bowen petite, yeah. And they, there are some of the Bowens are not gold-plated like the other brands. Uh, and there's, you know, pros and cons for both, price being one of them. But the, uh, as long as it's a very, very smooth glide, that's the part that makes the difference in the mm -hmm. needle usage. Mm -hmm. And if you've never used a really good quality needle, try one because it really makes it much more difference than you would expect. You expect it to go be, you know, all the needles are the same, but they're really not. No. No, not at all. So for needles, you want to make sure your needle is sized properly for your fabric and the number of strands that you're going to use. So it's, uh, you know, there are, are a lot of different factors that go into the use of your tools and of your course, materials. Of course. of course, there's a lot more to cross-stitching than just making little excess. Mm -hmm. But in the end, it comes down to making little X's. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the beauty of cross-stitch. Because it's a very, very simple at its basics, but very complex in, enough to be interesting uh, when you really get into the details. What's the phrase? It's like, hard to learn, easy to master. Yeah, like that. No, easy to learn, hard to master. That's it. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> cross-stitches like that yeah because the very basics very simple mm -hmm. and the the great thing is that you can start with something really really easy and produce something that looks great yeah even right out of the box some people do really complex designs for their even their first project and have great success yeah remember okami that's my other daughter serena's sister her first project was a, a Teresa Wensler dragon. Now, if I you're, that. yeah, if you are familiar with Teresa Wensler's designs, they're absolutely gorgeous. But they're highly detailed with tons of fractionals and stuff, and blending and Krennic and like there's all kinds of complexities to the pattern. And that was her only project for years. For years, then her, she made it into a pillow. Her pillow wore out, and finally she has to do another one. She's done. <laughs> Three more Teresa Wentzler dragons. So, yeah, kudos to you, honey, because you did a great job on all of those. So, and tons of backstitching. So, that's uh, a lot of information about backstitching, but if you have any questions of anything that we missed, please don't hesitate to um, contact us. We would be glad to answer questions. We love questions about cross-stitch. So feel free to email me at Donna at MagicHourCrossStitchSupplies.com. Dot com. Dot com. And you can also uh, check out our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash MagicHourCrossStitch. And you'll see our little hourglass logo there. So uh, thank you for joining us. We had a good time. I got well advanced on my spider, on my, on my Halloween cross stitch here. And I made a big whoopsie. And we're going to try to fix Serena's whoopsie. So uh, check out our next podcast next week. And we will uh, hope to join, we, that you will join us at that time. We'll see you then. So later on, we'll say happy stitching from Magic Hour Cross Stitch Supplies. Bye now. Bye.